This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Oak Shape Podcast Season 6 with your host, Dan the Fitness Man. Thank you for tuning in. We are excited to have you. This is the podcast that is dedicated to hard work, disciplined decisions, and year-round training in the pursuit of the best possible version of ourselves. We leverage elk hunting to create a pathway. We understand that time is finite and we cannot squander a second. We must be leaders at our home. We understand that faith is our number one priority. Then family, then fitness, then health, then wealth. Our year-round disciplined decisions help us leave a legacy for our family to follow. You will leave here motivated, inspired, and educated. We bring on a wide variety of guests subject matter experts so that you can tune in, get what you need to get, and continue on your journey. We are blessed to call ourselves Elk Hunters Season 6. Here we go. Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast with me, Dan, the fitness man. Today we're talking about mountain archery target practice we're talking about mountain archery fest sitting down with brandon waddell so everybody kind of knows about total archery challenge i love total archery challenge i love sean DeGray. i love what they do but there are alternatives out there if you can't get a ticket with your squad so i thought well i'll bring brandon on love the dude he's solid people and he's got an event that's similar but very different than tack and i think you need to know about it so let's sit down with brandon the audio is a little rough on Brandon's side in the beginning, but it does smooth out. Just want to warn you. And I appreciate you guys. You have a lot of options when it comes to podcasts. Thanks for choosing ours. Let's go. Guys, what's up? We're hit, we're hitting it hard. We got Brandon Waddell. What's up, man? Where are you right now? I'm in Nashville at the uh, National Wild Turkey Federation show. Oh, okay. I didn't know that you were a big turkey guy. Not a big turkey guy. 
Um, I've killed a couple birds in about 11 years, so I would say I'm not a big turkey guy. Um, but I'm down here representing MAF at the turkey shoot and getting the word out about our event that's happening in Rome, Georgia. Okay, so you guys have an event down in the southeast. Um, turkeys don't want to die, dude. Have you ever shot one with a bow? Yeah, that's the only two I've killed is with a bow. It took me nine years to kill my first bird. I know I killed a couple others, but I never got them. I never retrieved them. I, I shot through them. They take off running, and I'm not fast enough to catch them, and then I never find them because they burrow somewhere or a coyote takes them or something like that. So uh, the first one I got was nine years in the making, and I finally smoked him and hit him right and lopped his head off, and I was able to get a, a killer bird, man. I got a four-bearded turkey for my first turkey. That's worth the wait. Yeah, I think... I started turkey hunting with a bow, so that's all I knew. I've right. killed a few with shotguns, but actually I shot one last year with a bow. I think I shot two, got them both. But uh, the year I took my wife turkey hunting for the first time, I had a killer spot. We had a ground blind set up right off the roost, and they had a little strut zone. We got in there in the dark. Big Tom pitches down, strutting 10, 10 12-yard shot for her first bird, and she freaking waylays him. And he takes like a couple spins and he just pitches off the edge and lands in a tree and she's all stoked. And I'm like, crap. And so we got out and we follow a blood trail that looks like you double lunged a whitetail. I mean, it's just, I didn't even know turkeys had that much blood. And, and then we get to the tree and he's up in the tree, like 10 feet in the air. And the tree is just, it's just dripping blood down the tree. I'm like, okay, let's back off. And she's like, okay. And then next thing we know, the thing pitches across the river onto an island so we had to yeah. hitch we had to pull a couple guys over who had kayaks beg to borrow their kayaks kayak across the river and like you said it buried itself it burrowed in somewhere we never recovered it and that was the last time i'm taking her archery turkey hunting so she's used a shotgun ever since and it's way better it's over yeah. in seconds but yeah you can do it you just really gotta like either take their head off or hit them absolutely perfect yeah, you got to make a money shot. Yeah, the, uh, the first year I went out, I shot a bird my first year. Blasted through him. Arrow was bloody, you know, down, on, all down the feather or down the shaft. And it stuck in a cedar tree. Well, he took flight and he flew down off this driveway ridge thing and flew down. And I saw him just pile up. I mean, just roll to nothing laying there. And I was like, yeah. And so I go over and I whittle my arrow out, get my broadhead and everything out of this cedar tree. And I start heading down there and I get down there and there is no bird. Like there's no tracks for this bird leaving. There is nothing. I mean, just a little bit of blood and he was gone. And I was, I called a friend and we circled for two hours circling from where he was at trying to find him and never found him. And I, I figured either, like you say, they're dinosaurs. Like they just have this extra life that's in them for some reason. And either that or a coyote was like, thanks for dinner and peace out. You know, so I don't know where he ever went, but I always used to make fun of these guys that would shoot turkeys with their bows out of blinds. And then you'd see them like doing this mad scramble to like run out there and, and grab them. And I thought, what the hell is that about? And then quickly dawned on me why they do that, because they'll they'll get away and you'll never find them ever. Yeah, they're they are dinosaurs. And I think that uh, for folks listening, like. The deal with turkeys is they're awesome. They're a vocal creature. 
spring is like so hard to beat because of cabin fever and watching yeah. everything come to life. But do not ever tell me that turkey hunting is just like elk hunting because we will not be friends. And people love to to poke at me because I say that a lot. But I'm a turkey guy. I love turkey hunting. It ain't nothing like elk hunting, man. Like especially the folks maybe in the Midwest or the Eastern Eastern listeners, they're they're probably getting mad right now. But look, <laughs> at the end of the day, do turkeys smell? Can they smell? Do you have to worry about the wind? I mean, there's some similarities, but it is a 25 pound bird. And I'm talking about a six to 900 pound wapiti that can smell. There is a difference. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. I'm in hundred percent agreeing with you. The only similarity is they'll talk to you. That's it. That's the only, that's it. Otherwise 99% completely different, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They do get hand up. They do, uh, you know, you do have bachelor groups or satellite, you know, Jake's, I, all that stuff. There's a bunch of cool similarities for sure, but it's super fun. I encourage everyone to get out, but that's not why we brought you on today, bro. I want to break down Mar- uh, Mountain Archery Fest because what year is this for you guys? Year five. Okay. So you've done, you're going on your fifth year. I don't yep. think enough people know about it or know like that, hey, Total Archery Challenge is really difficult to get a ticket. And now it's really difficult to get a ticket the same day as your friends, the way that you sign up. So there are alternatives like the Northwest Mountain Challenge in my area. Um, There's several ones on the East Coast. But I wanted to talk about your fest and kind of where are your locations and how is it different? How how do you sign up? So break it down for us. Well, you know, we're... We came out of necessity due to the fact of what you just spoke about, right? There's tons of people that can't get into events. There's difficulties making it in as a group. Um, you know, I've shot many tacks in the past and one Northwest Mountain Challenge in my life. And, you know, that my passion for archery plus seeing this necessity is something that drove me there. And one of the main key features of what separates us from, from tack, in my opinion, is we're a lot more geared towards the family and youth, right? And then we also, in the last couple of years, have brought in a great element for adaptive. And so um, that's the number one key thing. And aside from that, you know, um, we've got some cool things that happen at our events. We do have a competitive day. So we have the Mountain Madness Comp on Saturday, which is not a typical element with other shoots, right? They're mostly just for recreation. Um, And then some of our stuff that we do on site is a little bit different. You know, we raise colors and lower colors every day at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. I mean, literally in the busiest part of my whole event, we stop everything to raise colors and pay tribute to our, our nation and our flag, right? Because without it, we wouldn't be here. And then from there, you know, we've got seminars. Uh, we've, so we've got a highly educational component. But then when you get off of the Bender Village and you move up onto the mountain, we've got the one and only Pope and Young world record 29 slam course. So I had a great idea many years ago to replicate the antlers and horns of these animals and put them on foam and create a course that embodies the shot that the hunter took and the ethics and the educational point of view and the conservation point of view. And so teaming up with Pope and Young on that and creating something that's one of a kind around the world. No one's ever done anything like this. 
And so it's, it's an epic course to go out and take your family and your kids on because of all of those parameters. So, you know, those are some of the key things that we do. And then I won't, I won't host an event anywhere where I can't have camping on site. Like that's a key component to uh, being able to engage that family aspect, right? And, you know, and, and to have that affordability also for some of these bigger families. You know, those are some key things that separate us um, from other events around the country. And from there, you know, we just, I started nice and small and we've organically grown Dan, you know, because in the first year, me and two 15 year old sons and an 11 year old son set 160 pieces of foam on two mountains, one down at our original location in Colorado, Purgatory Resort, that's my hometown, and then at Eagle Point, uh, just outside of Beaver in Southern Utah. So we did those two events our first year, and we did it as a family. My daughters ran merch and registration, and my wife ran reg, and, and my mom did merch, and you know, we just, we, just, we just did what we wanted to do and just had the time of our lives, man. And um, hard ass work, no doubt, but super, super legit and fun. Okay. So how many locations in 23? We have seven locations in 23. So we started our season off in Rome, Georgia at Kingston Downs, which is a new location for us this year. And our second is in uh, Carbondale, Pennsylvania, just outside of Scranton at a location called Camp Freedom, which is a, a location that's pretty near and dear to me. Camp Freedom brings in frontline workers, disabled veterans, disabled people, you know, of all kinds and brings them in for these great whitetail stag and elk hunts right there in Pennsylvania. Um, it's not a high fence situation either, which is pretty cool. Um, and they're just a great group of dudes. And so that's a first year location for us too. So basically we've secured our five in the West and now we're moving East. So then after we come out of Pennsylvania, we cruise to Soldier Hollow, which is in Heber City, just outside of Salt Lake there. And um, that's a, an amazing venue when you get there because it just embodies this Olympic spirit. You just can't help it. It's there. You can feel it. And it's just super cool. Um, from there, we come back to the hometown in Durango, Purgatory, Colorado. And uh, that one's awesome because, I mean, I grew up on that mountain. I have so many memories on that hill growing up skiing there for my whole life that, like, I know that mountain in and out. Now I know it in and out in the green and the snow. And so it's pretty cool uh, to bring that full circle. Then we cruise to Beaver, Utah, uh, and head up to Eagle Point. And that's, that's our staff's favorite event, even though you'd think Purgatory would be because it's hometown. But I'll be honest, like, when you got a certain synergy with a mountain crew that already works there, and it just is awesome. I mean, the staff at Eagle is over the top. The chef is kick-ass, and we just – we are all family when we roll in there. You know, it's just super cool. Um, then from there, we cruise up to Wyoming, just out in between Shell and Sheridan, up on the top of the Bighorns at a little tiny resort called Antelope Butte. And this place was left for dead many years ago, and they've created a nonprofit, and they've resurrected this place, built a new lodge, and it is awesome. And that's our wildlife event. And I can tell you, like, it's almost like I can cue bull moose to run through vendor village, like send the moose and they just run right through vendor village. Last year we had two bulls go right through the middle of vendor village while we're shooting, while we're holding our event. It was just super, super cool. Um, 
we even had a moose target until he get taken up off the stakes and the whole belly eaten out by a bear which was kind of interesting as well dude um i gotta interrupt you so gosh i gotta be careful gotta be careful here but let's just say i might have elk hunted once or twice near that resort and we're talking some of the best elk hunting on planet Earth. And you can't just go generally hunt right there. So that's why I can kind of talk about it. But I can vouch for you. I've been, I've never done your course there. But that is some of God's greatest creations is right there in the Bighorns, right where you're hosting that shoot. That one's high on my list. Wow. Yeah, I can tell you that, I mean, the amount of moose we saw on that mountain was spectacular. And then, you know, not far from there, I saw one of the biggest bulls I've ever seen on the hoof. I mean, like, uh, uh, just absolutely balls. I mean, he was ginormous. And, you know, and I get, it's funny because I have people that send me some pictures that live up there and they're like, did you even know this existed? And I'm like, yeah, here, check this picture out. And they're like, holy crap. <laughs> so, but I'll tell you, that's a magical location as well. I mean, last year was our first year there. So this will be our second year. And it's kind of a nice kept secret um when you come there it's kind of our wild wild west shoot if you want to get away from the world that's the event to go to there is no cell service there there is no amenities there we bring the city in um and that's where our campground is huge um and there is ways to connect at the lodge but literally there'll be 20 people huddled around one router doing the best they can to get out. So if you really want to get away from the world and come shoot your bows and really be present and be with your family, that's the one to go to in Wyoming. And then from there, we head up to Kalispell, Montana, up to Blacktail Mountain. And that's a killer location too, man. I mean, and last year, that was the first year, first location as well. Um, the view from that, everywhere on that course will blow you away. All, all the courses there until you get to the last hundred yards of the course at the base of the mountain, you're literally looking at glacier. Like it's right in your front yard. It's sick. Um, so yeah, I mean, that rounds out our seven shoots across the country and, you know, um, we're, we're constantly adding each year, you know, we're going to continue to grow and find those little pockets where we can be, um, and on mountains that no one else has been at, you know, I'm, I've been told, oh, you should come here, you should come here, you should come here. And I'm like, no, nah, no. Nah. You know, other events have already been there. That's just like, you know, taking the Burger King sign down and putting a McDonald's sign up. It's like, that doesn't, that doesn't work for me. Um, so, yeah, that, that rounds out our season. And 23 is looking, shaping up to be real good right now. It looks great. All right, I want to hone in on this Montana location. So, my squad, we try to do three archery shoots a year. Um, we have big sky on lock for total archery challenge. That's a lock. And the only reason that's a lock is because I know Shonda Gray. We used to shoot 3d together back in 2008. So I, I got the hook up there and, and we filmed that for YouTube. The other one that we usually do is, um, a local one here or big, you know, Northwest mountain challenge. Um, we, I think we're going to lean on the one in Washington this year. And then we got one other one we're looking at, and it's yours, man. It's that blacktail one. And what kind of sells me is the fact that I can bring my camper, although I hate driving it, and I can bring my family because I can camp right there at the event. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Yeah, right there in one of the parking lots. We set it up. We got porta potties ready for you, food on site, everything you need to survive. 
Okay. Uh, what's the dates on that one, if you have that handy? Yeah, I was just pulling stuff up, turning my thing off so it would work, so it wouldn't turn off on me. Uh, so Blacktail is the 21st, 22nd, and 23rd of July. Yeah, that's prime time. And I, I mean, the views, like I love Kalispell. Love it. And I've uh, been there many times. But the Flathead Lake and the glacier views. And then my wife shoots a little. She's got a great setup. And then my kids shoot a little. So it's like I'm going to have to figure out that balance of I want to do your Pope and Young course. Like I've heard about it enough to where I just really want to do it. Um, but so I'd have to kind of schedule it to where a family day and then let them play in the morning, go get up early and run, do that course with my YouTube squad. Um, and that would be a great weekend for us. So I think that's what we're leaning towards. What kind of shot distances are we looking at? What kind of different courses do you set up? Obviously, I do these 3D mountain shoots because they get me ready for elk hunting. If that, if it didn't have a degree of transferability, I wouldn't do it. Honestly, I would just shoot in my backyard. But I like to get on the mountain. I like to have my boots on, my backpack, my bino harness. I like to check my you know third axis. And I like to compete against my buddies and talk smack. And I just love that environment. And I get to meet the greatest community on earth. What's your courses like? So Pope and Young is our beginner course, and that's a testament to the quality of hunters that have achieved, achieved those world records. The longest shot is 52 yards, if you can believe that, in the world record course. So that's our beginner course, and, and then from there we step up to an immediate, intermediate course, and those begin to step you out into the 70-yard range, 80, right in there. Then I move into our Western Hunter course, and that is one that we build that really gives you a lot of dynamics that are relative to what we like to do, like you're saying, the transfer transferability, right? So we set up a bunch of stuff on that. There'll be anywhere from three, five yards out to 85, 90, There's a couple stretchers in there just to kind of push you a little bit. Um, but the scenarios are the key situation there. Each shot is another hunting scenario, like for real, to where you're checking you know, feet downhill, you're going to have to sit to make this shot. You're going to have to step around the tree, make your shot. You're going to, you know, or just different scenarios all the way around that, that question your third axis, question your stability, your angle, and, uh, and just really kind of get you in form. And that's the one where I tell you, yeah, totally bring your gear, get it, get your stuff out and, you know, and, and test out how you feel and how it works and that you're ready to rock and roll. Right. Cause this time of year, third week of July, you better be, you better be ready. It's t- it's time, right? So, um, and then our hardest course, if you will, is our carbon course. And that one we do basically the shortest shots about 60 and it stretches anywhere, depending on the location, the 120, 150, you know, we've got a couple, couple locations where we set up a buffalo or a moose and it's, you know, 150 yards and the backdrop is super soft. And, and it's a straight walk to it. So no matter what, you'll pick up your arrows and, you know, stuck in the dirt on the way there. Um, now, there is other shots on that course that um, I usually try to stuff two shots on that course that, in my opinion, are impossible, if you will. Right. Yes. To kind of make you kind of make you really think about what you're doing. You know, you're going to have to know your bow speed. You're going to have to know your angle. You're going to have to know your arc. You're going to have to. You're going to have to be pretty dialed in to get those two. But how we kind of design those courses is on the Pope and Young course, there's a couple shots that kind of belong on the intermediate. And then on the intermediate, there's a couple shots that belong on the Western Hunter. And then there's a couple shots on the Western Hunter that belong on the carbon. So each course gives people opportunity to build themselves up on how well they're doing. 
So people come off the mountain and they say, man, I did good on that course. I don't know if I can do the next one. Oh, there were shots on that course that are just like the one on the intermediate. So go give the intermediate a try. They go shoot it. They come off. They're like, that was great. That was fun. I'm like, no, keep going. Keep graduating up and keep seeing how you're doing. Um, And that's kind of one of the other separating elements of what we do, right, from other shoots is we want to build self-confidence. We want to build the self self-knowledge of their equipment we want them to be able to grow in this sport you know our mission on the mountain is for every individual archer that shows up all disciplines all abilities all ages right and then our fifth course of the fifth course that we have is something that we usually keep on the base of the mountain or it's reasonably easy to access and it's our kids course comp course track action course basically it kind of crosses over three ways so it's multi-pinned to where the kids can go out like there's a carrot there's a angry carrot and there's so there's a you know there's a few targets on there that appeal to the kids and of course there are also animals on that course that are great for kids that are stuff that they can actually hunt you know there's a coyote there's rabbit there's you know a deer there's elk there's a small bear you know, it's all entry level animals that people can get involved in. Um, and then, of course, that course is set up for the track action chairs that we have on site for people to come and use. Like if, if you're disabled or you don't have a chair, you want to come and shoot, you can pay a half price day. You can come jump in one of these chairs and you can go roll this course and go shoot your bow. And we make those courses that to where they can make it to each animal to see and retrieve their own arrows. There's lots of courses that do this around the country. But a lot of them, they still have to hang back and they got to wait for people to go get their arrows, pull them and bring it back to them. And I want them to be able to be engaged. Half half the fun is approaching that target, talking shit and looking at where you shot and like seeing your result. And so that was super important to me when that idea came about. And, And then, of course, it's our comp course. We shut it down on Saturday for a one round comp shoot and then. We do a top five shoot off at the end, top three payout. And, you know, because for me, each one of these courses has an element that I need in my life. I need a kid course. I have nine children, right? My family helped me build this event. So it's like kids are important to me. Um, Beginners are important to me. Um, Then you get to the Pope and Young course, and that brings out a lot of my conservation aspects and my ethics and things that I think are super important in the foundation of our sport and hunting. And then our intermediate course is kind of the targets on that are all kind of some are fantasy, some are from Asia, some different places, targets you've never shot before or ever seen. Um, and that I think people need to have an imagination. They need to you know, be able to explore that side and not just be shooting all the same targets all the time. And then, of course, the Western Hunter course is a passion of mine because there's targets on there that are that things that I struggle with or things that I've been successful at. And I think that if that's the realm for me as a hunter, then that's the realm for others as well. And then, of course, the carbon course, you know, is just stretching things out, having fun, watching arrows fly, learning what, th- what your equipment's capable of in, in, a, in, a, in a sense that we all know isn't ethical shots. But it's stuff that when you're practicing at 100, you're shooting at 120, you really learn flight dynamics, you're really learning how well you're tuned and what, what a 16th of an inch back here means at 120. Right. And so, you know, so it helps really round out that skill set. And so, um, and then the comp course, I just think that I'm competitive, you know, like you, you gotta be competitive to some level. 
um, whether it's just shit talking on, making side bets on the mountain or doing different things. But that's why there that that we host as well. Okay, so how how many targets do you own slash what targets are they? So with the Elk Shape Podcast audience, we want to let you know about all our partner discount codes or calls to action. Save you some loot, get you some good gear. Kufaru, we finally have a discount code. Elk Shape 15. Any purchase except for shelters. I run the hoodlum. Jake runs the hoodlum. Get yourself the duplex light frame or the tactical. I have both. I would say the tactical is a little bit better for colder weather, whereas the skeletonized duplex light works a little bit better in early season like August and September. Discount code Elk Shape 15. With the Vortex Optics discount code, you have to go to eurooptic.com enter the discount code ELK10. It'll save 10% off any Vortex glass. We also have a Vortex wear discount code, 20% off all Vortex wear for your scouting, date night, or workout gear. Enter the discount code ELKSHAPE and it'll get you 20% off. Onyx Elite membership, enter the discount code ELKSHAPE, it'll take 20% off. You will get the Elite membership, all 50 states, plus access to the digital publication from Hunting Fool. You'll also get a Hunt Reminder membership included, as well as Top Rut and other perks. Onyx has been in the game the longest. Take advantage. Next is Numa Outdoors. That's the hunting clothing we wear in the backcountry. Into the discount code ELKSHAPE20 to save 20% off. MagView, this is the digiscoping solution made easy. The discount code is ELKSHAPE. It'll take 10% off. Get the A1 and the B1. Definitely for your spotter and your vinyl. It pairs nicely and uh, it's just a little magnet strip on the back of your phone. You don't have to have a silly phone case. Wilderness Athlete, new discount code for 2023. It is ELKSHAPE23. That'll knock 20% off. Look for the ELKSHAPE stack or the September stack. And ladies, the Mrs. ELKSHAPE stack as well. Black Ovis is where I get my gear. The discount code is ELKSHAPE. It'll take 10% off. Fast and free shipping and the best code customer service. Black Rifle Coffee Company, whether you want to become a member and have the subscription to where coffee is delivered to your door in the cadence that you prefer, or you want some BRCC swag, coffee mugs, and even RTDs now, enter the discount code ELKSHAPE, save 15% off anything at blackriflecoffee.com. Fatty Meat Sticks, a great, healthy, non-GMO, crappy, salty, no, this is the best tasting meat stick on planet Earth, discount code ELKHUNTER, gets you a little 5-10% to off depending on what you buy. Check out Fatty Meat Sticks, Sheep Feet, Orthotics for your feet discount code elk shape take 10 percent off your sheet feet i have two pairs i always have a pair in my boots and my workout shoes i have high arches that really helps at first i was a naysayer now i'm a believer sheet feet works really well for me could work really well for you put it in your boot the elk collective the number one digital elk hunting resource you want to get going on elk hunting you can practice and learn from others so instead of listening to one person preach about how to elk hunt it's an army of subject matter experts teaching their ways of hunting elk Discount code Elkshape Podcast, all one word. We'll get you a discount to the elkcollective.com. So we use Kirsch targets and Reinhardt and SRT. So Kirsch, they're made out of Austria and they're brought in and they're pretty cool. And what's cool about them is, is there's lots of different things you've never seen, lots of different animals um, you've never shot. The foam is super high quality. Um, they're the best target to buy if you'd like to leave targets set up. Like I'm, I've got a deer in my front yard that's been there six years. It's brand new. Like it still feels great. It doesn't flake. The paint's not gone. I just keep coring it over and over. And that's the one I shoot all my broadheads at. That's how I do all my testing there. And, um, and it, they're awesome. Um, and then I bring in some SRT targets out of Italy. Uh, for instance, the musk ox rounds out our Pope and Young course with that target. And then they got some good fallows and some Ibex that are a little bit different than everybody else's that are, and they're also a super high quality target as well. What's interesting about those, though, is that, you know, in Austria, they don't bow hunt. So 
those targets are great for the comp course, especially because they just put rings wherever they want. Like they, they're not where they're supposed to be. Like your 12 ring is not in the pocket. Um, and so it really makes people really have to shoot the ring and not get sucked into where they know it always is, where it's always supposed to be. Right. And a lot of these guys in the comp side, they've never shot this stuff. So they don't have cards where they've sized them up. They've never gap pin gapped them. They've never done any of that. And it really kind of levels the playing field. Um, and then we brought in some Reinhardt's um, to for our moose and our caribou uh, mountain goat to round out the Popignon course as well. But this year I'm going to be buying a few more Reinhardt's to put on um, that I found are interesting uh, that we don't have that I'd like to have, you know, just to change things up. Um, I like to bring in anything that's new and keep our rotation of targets, you know, kind of fresh and new and different, you know, and, and we set courses in a different, we lay out courses different every year. So even though we go back to another resort, you may kind of travel the same kind of area, but the shots are different every year to year. We don't do anything in the same spot um, unless it's an epic shot, right? Something that you just can't replace um, anywhere else on the mountain. So um, as far as how many pieces of foam we own, you know, a lot, 160 ish you know and plus what we put in the 3d course so or i mean the practice range so it's quite a few pieces of foam that we put on the mountain do you guys like at your last event just happens to be the point i have on my radar do you sell after the event any foam to schmucks like me just regular joe guys yeah absolutely we try to keep some of our stuff into the year so montana is the best place to come and buy targets from me yeah um because we we recore throughout the season so when we pull targets they get put in a different pile we recore with the same product foam we repaint re-ring um because these targets are all one piece construction all the cursed targets so you know they're not they don't fall apart when you shoot them they stay together really well um and even the antlers are awesome because he does a quarter inch uh square steel right so a solid rod and then open and they go in like that i mean they're super sturdy antlers the way they sit in them they don't just poke in the foam um and uh so they're i mean they're high quality targets that we that we run and so but at the end of the year you bet dude i'm always letting go of foam because stuff that i want to change in and out and typically they're in really good shape because we never let our stuff get to the point of where anybody's getting pass throughs on stuff you know we we even during mid-event, if I put out a rabbit or something smaller, I'll almost change it daily. Um, you know, we really inspect those to make sure that we've got a quality, quality piece of foam for you to hit. Okay, so do you rent or own 18-wheelers? Like, how are you moving from state to state with all this stuff for your events? Yeah, so we've got a couple trailers. One's a semi, and then one's a 36-footer that we pull behind a pickup truck. Um, pretty much the 36 footer contains all of our foam for the most part. Uh, it's about 14,000 pounds worth of foam that we travel with. Um, and then the semi is basically a support rig more than anything. So the support rig, the front end of it is a commercial kitchen. Uh, and then the front part is a workshop for us to do our recoring and even work on machines that we use to set up with. And then from there, it kind of turns into a little bit of a personal space. We've got a shower on board and lockers and 
stuff like that for us to utilize. Um, and then the back half holds machines and our Pope and Young antlers in the ceiling. So um, really it's designed to be more of, you know, a support rig, if you will, for what we do. Um, and a way for us to house ourselves a little bit and feed our crew and our volunteers and stuff like that during the event. I, from a business standpoint, this seems so hard and difficult to navigate logistically and to turn a profit with insurances and archery. They don't go hand in hand. Uh, trust me, I've tried to get some insurance certificates for the camps I do because we just have bows there. Um, and then volunteers, you got to have volunteers. You got to have sponsors. You got to charge a certain amount. How tough has this been from a business angle to make whole? It's not easy, Dan. I'll be honest. You know, it took us, you know, it took us quite a few years to turn profit. And with, uh, with COVID, you know, the C word, getting involved in our world, it, it put a dampener on our projections for sure. Um, but, you know, I've owned trucking companies over the years. I've done quite a few different things as a business owner. So logistics and special events are kind of my forte. Um, nice. You know, owning a trucking company. And then I also owned a portable restroom company for a period of time. And I used to do big balloon rallies, motorcycle rallies, big music festivals, things like that. So moving products and providing customer service and, and understanding how to move people is something that I've, you know, that I've had in my repertoire for a while. Um, so now I'm just overlaying that over my passion and finding a way to make it work. Um, you know, and it's crazy, the insurance side of it, in my opinion, to bring that up is, is that, you know, if you go to underwriters to have something written, like I've had some resorts come to me and they want to double what we carry because it's kind of this new standard, you know, for events, because that's what Spartan holds or all these other monstrous people. And when you go to the archery world to have some of that written that high, they just won't do it. Um, why? Because if you look at the amount of injuries that have happened in registered insured archery events, it's so small. I mean, like re almost uncalculable that they just laugh at you. They're like, no. There's no reason to like, that's absurd. We just won't even do it. It's a waste of, it's a waste of money, a waste of our time. It's just, we can't even, we won't do it. And so we've had some contentions even with some places that we want to be at. And they're like, no, you're going to carry, you know, five over three, or you're not coming on this mountain. And it's like, they, I, I scoured the country two years ago for one location that we were at and no one would ride it. And the mountain was already under contract with me. And they ended up accepting it, but then we weren't able to return because they were like, if you can't come back with that, we won't host you. Um, so, you know, as an event, it's one of the most controlled and safe environments there is because people in our community understand the, what the consequences are. And so, and they understand what a firing line means. I mean, there's always someone who kind of doesn't pay attention. They want to walk out on the practice course without being called clear you know, there's always a couple little things that come up, but there's the only people that are downrange that shouldn't be downrange are bikers that have crossed the path when they were told not to. Like, I mean, you can imagine we've had a few close calls that way where people just are coming in out of nowhere, just rogue biking and whatever. And we have closures and all this signage and they just, they don't care. And they just blow through. And the next thing you know, you got someone 
riding right through your shot. Um, but it's people that are just unaware, that just don't care, you know, but the people that are on the event, they're, they're there for the event. They're highly respectful of each other. Um, they understand the importance of that safety and it just works. It works really well. Um, and, you know, and that's one thing with all the resorts we hear, Dan, is our community, they love having us. Our community is polite. They're respectful. They pick up trash on the mountain. They don't, you know, they, they totally get the whole parameters of what we're trying to do. And they love having us there. Okay. So let's talk about the business relationships too, on that side of things. Um, do you have a title sponsor slash what if somebody's listening to this right now and they want to be at your vendor village? Maybe talk us through the numbers, how many participants per event on average, and um, do you have a title sponsor or do you want one? Yeah, we just picked up Onyx as a title sponsor for the next two years. Um, we're really working on that relationship and it, it, we're excited about it. You know, we, we were with another mapping company before and we actually had a course, our Western Hunter course that we did without any flagging to where you basically had to follow your device to find your shooter pin. And then you had to look for your target. And then once you got to your target, I mean, it was on your, it was on your mapping. You could see where, but you could kind of orienteer yourself to it's over there somewhere. Um, and you'd have to find it. And it was, it didn't work real well. Uh, just to be honest. I mean, it, it, it didn't, it didn't, but the problem with that was just updates that happened right beforehand, but we're super excited about Onyx coming on. Obviously, um, they do a great job in this industry. We're excited to be partnered with them. Um, we have Carbon TV as one of the sponsors of our courses, Vortex. Um, but we're always still looking for a couple course sponsors. And, um, and all, of course, we're always welcome to vendors that want to come be a part of the family, you know, especially if they're, if they're you know, in it for the right reasons in this industry, right? Like, if, you know, you can't come and have a competitor three booths from you and be talking crap about their deal, right? You got to come just be you, do, do you and sell you and understand that not everything you make works for 100% of the people, right? Plain and simple. Um, and so we're always welcoming people in on that level as well. Um, and then the volunteer piece is huge for us. That program we're really trying to push forward. So, um, but to go back to your question without skipping over it, you know, we've been averaging 600 or so, 700 shooters per shoot um, and growing each year by a good, good percentage. And so, um, you know, that kind of gives you a breakdown kind of our size. You know, we're, we're about half the size of TAC in attendance, but as big of an event as, as they are in scope. Um, so we're definitely got some room to grow and, and we're, we're not scared of the registration piece either. We've got an amazing registration um we do that we utilize we have great success within it now of course we're not getting plummeled in 20 minutes but you know we've done our research we've got great ideas wrapped around how we can handle that situation um that others aren't utilizing but uh and then from there yeah just you can reach out to me i'll give all of our details here at the end and you can reach out to me and if you're interested in coming in part of it of our event and being a part of the family we'd love to love to hear from you okay yeah well in the show notes, I'll include a link to your website. So you'll have to, honestly, I have a tough time finding your website um, 
because I because you have it run through Stride events, so I, it's tough to decide if what's the official website. So I'll talk to you about that offline and get that exactly right. And then what what's the price points for like say I want to show up for just a day or I want to make a weekend out of it or a family event? Like how did you guys structure your fees? So we're seventy five, one hundred five, one thirty five for an individual. So one day, two day, three day. Okay. Um, and then kids are half price of that. Um, the, uh, the mountain madness comp is a separate registration for 75 or a hundred dollars, depending on what group you want to be in, what class. And that's separate because that money goes straight back into the pot. Um, so we don't allow stride to have any of that. We don't, you know, we don't cut into that in any way. Um, and then we do have uh, camping on site is $30 for the weekend for your RV, which is super cheap. It's dry camping, but we do have trash receptacles. We have porta potties. Tent is 10 bucks for the weekend, which is super affordable as well. Um, and then uh, from there, we also have another cool package that we have, and it's a stay and play package, which is why I encourage some of the guys to do or families. It's super fun. So we have 10 by 15 Davis tents. We put four cots in there. And then part of this package, you get climate pads, which you get to keep. Uh, you get $50 in math merchandise, $50 in novelty money for novelty to shoot, to get tickets to put in for all the stuff we give away. Some of it's at the end of the year, big hunts, piece of equipment, things like that. And then some we do every weekend we give away. Um, you also get a 30-minute massage from Wilderness PT. You get entry into the Cornhole Tournament on Friday afternoon. And you get, uh, I think that's it for right now. Oh, and you get a you get a membership to Onyx. So you know some cool packages there. And basically, that's five hundred bucks a person. And it cut. Oh wait, and you get dinner Friday and Saturday night, and lunch Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So all you gotta do is show up with breakfast, a couple snacks, your sleeping bag, a pillow, and your gear, and you're in for five hundred bucks. If you were to all cart that, it would cost you over eight hundred bucks to do that, to do that deal. So $500 will get you your tickets to shoot as well. Yeah. Three day oh, pass, dinners, lunches, all the other novelty merch, your climate pad, you get to take home. I mean, in Onyx, it's a killer package, man. I mean, you can't beat it. If you want to immerse yourself into the event and really get to know what math is all about, that's the way to go. Stay and play. Stay and play. Love it. Well, we've kind of talked about the the mind behind you as far as what you wanted to create. So I have a way better understanding now of like, dude knows his 3D shoots, knows what he likes, knows what he wants to see. Uh, that stuff I didn't expect to hear from you. I, I'm really impressed. And uh, I can tell you're passionate about it. Uh, what were you doing prior to running these type of events? Like, I guess, how did you, I'm assuming you're full time with this now. So when did you get to cross that bridge finally and fully commit? So about a year and a half ago, I sold our trucking company. And I mean, I was running math and running drivers. And I mean, it was chaos, dude. My life was chaos. And so in 22 at the Eagle, at the Eagle event, I literally walked up to my wife and I handed her my work phone and I was like, I'm done. This is it. Like, I can't do both anymore. It was, I was stressed out beyond, beyond belief. I mean, you know, when you're on site and you're running an event responsible for five or 600 people on site and making sure everything's going well, 
few fires you take care of here and there, making sure everybody's organized, making sure everything's safe, and your phone is going crazy because people are running out of water or your trucks are broken down or your driver doesn't show up for work and all this different stuff, dude, it was like, it was just, it was so hard, you know, and it was equally as hard on my wife trying to run the backside of the business as well and run math and registration and all that she does. And, um, that was the tipping point. That was, that was the, that was the straw that broke the camel's back that, I mean, literally I can, picture it in my head that Saturday afternoon, right after lunch, like that was it. Um, and we literally got back home that next week and put it up for sale. Um, and, you know, I still have a little bit of work I do on the side. I'm a certified water operator as well. So I have a couple water systems I oversee, but that's super easy work. Um, takes very little of my time. So it kind of brings a little money in. Um, but that was when I turned the corner and went full time. Um, you know, and I've, but the passion behind it is never wavered from day one. I knew this is what I wanted to do. This is, I, nothing makes me happier than seeing people smiling and having fun in this sport and growing and sending me the messages and thanking my, me, thanking my kids, thanking my crew, you know, and just, I'm surrounded by some of the best people there is. Um, and that's the reason why we're successful. It's not because of me. I mean, I have the passion, I have a vision, but my crew, my board, you know, they execute and they make, they make it work. Um, and, you know, without them, we wouldn't be here, especially during those times when I wasn't a hundred percent in, right. Because I mean, I was living two separate lives, if you will. And so, um, and that's where I'm trying to pay them back with this volunteer deal, because, you know, we still up until even last year we were basically running this event with a core of 12 people that's it with a few sprinkled volunteers so this year we've stepped up our volunteers deal big time you know we got an awesome t-shirt that you got to earn you know you can't just buy it you got to earn it killer sticker we feed you lunch you get a free day of shooting if you help for every eight hours of volunteer work you get a free day of shooting um, and we've got volunteer positions all over the mountain from setup, teardown, registration, merchandise, novelty, course runners, um, you know, course marshals, if you will, um, lift attendees. Uh, you know, we, we really have opened that up. And I mean, there's not a lot of positions per event. So it's one of those things that if you do get involved, it's a, a pretty elite situation. Um, and it's, it's a two-way street. You come and be a part of our event, come be passionate with us of what we do, and we'll return it a hundredfold. Um, you know, and one of the other cool things too is if you help come set up and set a course, you're the first ones on that course to shoot it. Yeah. So how do you get registered to volunteer? Right on the website. It'll be the first thing that pops up right in front of you. Um, and so I encourage everybody to do that. You'll work with some of the best in the business. My crew is amazing. Um and you'll just have a great time. And that's where I encourage families, if they can get involved together um, during setup or takedown, you literally, you, your wife, a couple of kids, you can come volunteer, be with one of my crew leaders. You'll get to work with each other all day, work hard and earn it and have a great time. Mm, cool. I like learning about it. Um, but this is the Elk Shape Podcast and you live in Colorado. So take me back to last year's elk season. Where did you hunt? Uh, where did you go? I was in Unit 54. 
Uh, I was doing some chefing for a friend of mine down in Arizona. So I had to take a little time to go help him in Coos camp. Um, he gives away hunts to us every year. So in trade, I should cook for him and trade for him, giving us a hunt kind of helps offset some of that. And then I'm there and we can help film some of that and create some content as well. But I went out and put a couple days in and scouting. I actually went in way back in, drove in there. I was driving in and there was this guy leaving and he's all, he's a, and he's a local back in there and he's all, you got chains? And I looked down and I was like, no. And I was thinking to myself, why do I need chains? It ain't going to snow. You know, I was like, that's interesting. And he didn't really say nothing. He was done pheasant hunting or done pheasant hunting and, or not pheasant hunting. Um, elk hunting? No, he wasn't elk hunting. No, he was hunting birds in there. Oh, really? Can't remember. Yeah. Anyway, so he was out. He was leaving. Um, And so I roll in there and I get up in there and I park off this road and I I seen this spot. I had asked a couple people who had hunted this unit 54, like where to go. And they literally dropped pins 400 yards from each other and they don't even know each other. Right. So I was like, I'm going there. So I hike about four miles into this location. I get in there. I knew I had weather coming in a couple of days. I got in there, got on one bull. It was uh, a spike with a little broken tip. So I came to full draw. There's a spike, let down, cruised in a little further, set my camp, went a little further in, got on another um, raghorn that wasn't legal, uh, pulled out of there. I was pretty happy with what I was finding. Got back to camp to eat a little lunch, and then my Garmin's going off and my phone, and, and it was like weather was coming in, and I was like, oh, snap. And then I was thinking to myself, you know, now I know what that guy was talking about because when I was coming in and out, I was like, I'm in clay country. Like I'm way in here on, on a road that sucks. And then that's when it dawned on me why he asked me if I had chains. And so I couldn't stay there more than the next day. And it was coming in like way early and going to bring it. So I was like, I can't even stay up here. So I bombed out of there packed my I mean literally just stuffed my tent everything in a bag it was already starting to hail come down I barely got out of this this spot where I was at I mean I was going around this hill just totally drifting this thing and four-wheel drive with all my 250 had and even even as I got out a couple spots there's these guys out and they were like you just come up that hill and I was like yeah they're like are you crazy and I'm like well what and they're like dude I've been 120 years I've seen so many trucks go off that edge and shit like this he's like I can't believe you made it up you got no chains and I'm like no he's all and your tires are bald as shit. And I was like, yeah, that's what I'm trying to get out of here. So I went down and cooked, came back. I had the last four days of the season in Colorado. Got in there, uh, got new tires, got some chains, <laughs> uh, went back in, uh, met a guy, this guy that's been camping there since 1972 every summer. He's got a, a Davis tent on a platform uh, right by a trailhead there. And he gave me some lowdown. And I spent three days and I was in elk, had a great time, came to full draw a couple times, couldn't execute, but I was watching this monster bull in this chute that was about a mile away, a big bull. And he was all by himself, Dan. And that's kind of, this is kind of the year that I put some things together, uh-huh. right? That some of them big bulls aren't running the cows. He literally had one cow with him. That was it. And then these 280 bulls were running these 20 cows with satellites that were 320, 330. It was really confusing to me because I'd never really seen that play out for me. Um, or in the woods, you know, I hadn't seen that dynamic that way. Down where I live in Colorado, you know, in the Southwest part, you got 300, 330s running 
everything and then all the raghorns are off to the side or you got big bulls that come in and sweep three or four or five off and kind of take some stuff away um but he was at the top of this shoot that i was like i wasn't really interested dan in going up there and killing him by myself and i was like that's you know i got a pretty good understanding of what i'm capable of and yeah i can eat some humble pie you know so anyway my last night that i was there i could only half day hunt the next day and i had to get out of there for my son's wrestling tournament so i basically was coming down out of the hill last light looked over and i'll be damned if he wasn't at the bottom of this chute right above this aspen grove and i was like that's it uh tomorrow morning i'm going in there hopefully he'll still be at the bottom um i got up in there got up in this it's a, a avalanche chute that comes down it's literally no more than 50 yards wide with cliff outs right and just full of aspen sucklings because it basically washes every year or every other year probably with the snow I got up in there, got this bull. He's riled up. He's making a move. I get to one side, the wind, he comes around. I can hear him pushing through the sucklings and coming through. And dude, I'm shaking life like a leaf on a tree. Cause I mean, I'm like, I'm going to kill the biggest bull of my life. I mean, he was every bit of a 370, 380 bull. Holy he was huge, dude. Wow. He was huge. And so I'm sitting there, I'm shaking and I can see him. I can kind of get a break of him and he's just coming through and he, pokes his nose out and I wait he takes one more step and comes out and I'll be damned if it isn't that spike that I drew on the first day I was up there <laughs> and I was like what the hell and I was like where did he come from so then I let down he kind of figured me out he bombed down so I pushed up through the sucklings as hard as I could as soon as I broke through those sucklings dude that big old bull was tying to his ass four-wheel drive and he did 370 yards straight away from me Mach 10 up that chute that he was in before he veered off. And what was crazy was, is that cow that was with him was still standing there trying to figure this whole situation out. She was looking at me, looking at him, looking at me, looking at him. He, he left her for dead. Um, and that was the end of my elk season right there. Um, but I tell you, I'm one of those guys that my elk season was great. I mean, I came to full draw four or five times. Had a great time, ed got educated, learned some great stuff, got to go kick my ass on the mountain a little bit, learned all new country that I'd never even been in, had success finding elk, getting into elk, um, and got to see a, an amazing bull um, leave me in the dust, uh, and, uh, and I didn't get stuck. So life was good. Dude, you dodged some bullets, and... Uh... You also, I love new country. I, I, I'm addicted to hunting new places every year. I love that challenge, man. That is so cool to hear that you were able to just kind of do your thing, come back better prepared. I've had that happen where I was hunting one bull a couple years in a row. He was in this really niche spot in North Idaho. It was niche, man. Like he, he had it made. He didn't talk much. Very similar characteristics. Never ran a big herd. I think he would always just come in and scoop the whatever cow was hot whatever satellite bull thought he was the dude he just come in scoop one same deal and i got him fired up one evening and i made a big play got the i mean i had to circle get under wind switch got in tight worked him worked him worked him and finally i called him in and he steps out and it's the spike 
And I know he's there, but it's this spike. And I literally at full draw, and thank God I realized it was this spike because I was like, I was literally had him dead to rights, let down, never killed him. Still don't know if anyone's ever killed that bull, but um, I've had a similar situation happen, man. And it's just like you, um, the heart rate, the anticipation, the history. But that's really cool. I love avalanche hunting bulls. That's only in Colorado, man. Uh, well, Brandon, thanks for coming on today. We'll talk offline for a moment, guys. Check out the show notes. I'm going to provide links. And, you know, a lot of my elk-shaped campers don't know this, but you've given us a pass to give away at each camp. We've been doing that. Thank you so much, sincerely. You also contributed to our December Chub Challenge, which is the freest, awesomest workout challenge in December. Thank you for that. And I just wish you continued success. There's no competition between TAC, you guys. It's all one big community, and you have more options. And you could also copy me. I'm going to try to do as many as I can because it makes me better. And I think that's ultimately what we all want to do is get better and grow better relationships. Absolutely, man. Relationships are number one for me, man. And, you know, and just giving back to each individual archer that wants to better themselves. And that's why we're stoked to be able to give you passes for the December Chub Challenge. I mean, these guys were crushing it. I was getting tagged so much on so many things on a daily basis. It was awesome. I got to meet some cool people, have some great conversations, and that, I love it. I love meeting new people. Um, and so we just really enjoy what you do and do. Thank you for all you do. You make a huge difference in this community, man. You really do from, from one coast to the next coast on, in this country. And pe- people just love you to death and are highly respectful of you. And I, you've earned every freaking bit of that, dude. And I appreciate you so much for that. Dang. Thank you. Humbly. Thank you. All right, guys. Separation is in the preparation. We'll catch you on the next one.